Craft Beer Radio interview. We had the opportunity to speak with Rudy Akide from Rodenbuck Brewery. He was able to join us between events from New York City. Welcome to the show, Rudy. It's, it's, it's great to, to, to talk to you. Why don't you start telling us about Rodenbach? Tell us what, what you think Rodenbach means. What Rodenbach means? Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good question. Rodenbach is the symbol, the symbol of the red-brown sour ales of, uh, of Flanders. So uh, they always have, uh, have made this type and this style of beer. Uh, and and it's um, an origin. It's a, a very old beer style, a beer style that goes back in time, before people knew to work with the healthy work of hops. So, how would you describe the style, the, the Flanders Red style? Flanders Red sour style is, in fact, the the, the perfect uh, evolution on lambic beers, on spontaneous fermented beers. So it all started by spontaneous fermentation but spontaneous fermentation had a lot of, was the first way to um, to ferment your beers but with a lot of disadvantages in the in the way that they only could make their lambic beers during winter time but people drank the whole year round beer so there was a problem the, the, because they need too much storage capacity for the for the summer uh, by making the winter beer second problem was that they are doing of they they are doing fermentation and maturation on the same vat, so they must need of they have um, uh, they must top up their vats. Third reason is that um, spontaneous fermented beers are sensitive to water infections. Water infections can give you a headache, but they're all uh, problems by making spontaneous fermented beers, and that's my opinion that they have made mixed fermented beers and what does that mean so if you one once you have made a good spontaneous fermented beer during winter time you have a, a yeast culture in that um, in that beer in that lambic and if you recover the yeast culture you can ferment a young beer but the shelf life of such a beer is very young it's very short because there are lactic bacteria inside so to give it a longer shelf life, they store the part of the beer on wood for quite a long time in the standing up fat so that they created the sour beer. And afterwards, a sour beer with a lot of flavor and taste, and afterwards you blend the sour, uh, the sour beer together with the young fermented beer to reduce the pH in the blend. And once you, pe- once you reduce your pH back to 3.5, then your beer will be preserved by acidity. And once also you have an acid beer, then such a beer don't accept any bitterness. So if we use hops in our fall, it's always under taste profile. Okay. Uh, when you talk about um, young beer, is that beer that... What is young beer? That, that yes. We, we, make, um, we make a brew, we make a wort in the brew house, and we ferment that with a purified uh, purified mixed yeast strain culture. So that is, that is, we ferment our wort with um, a, a yeast strain that is typical for our brewery and was coming in origin from a spontaneous fermented beer. You can compare that, you can compare that with an English mild. Okay. 
And and then is it fermented in like stainless steel um, unit tanks, or is it in wood at that time when it's fermenting? Oh, and no. And in, in the past, it was in uh, copper tanks, and now it is in stainless stainless steel tanks. Okay. The same way as they ferment now, the the grape sh- the, the 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 grape juice to make wine. Most of the grape juice are also fermented in concrete or in stainless steel tanks. So you, you mentioned that uh, lambics were only available in winter time. What, what made uh, the Flemish sours be able to be available year round? Okay, they need uh, a storage capacity, and and therefore they created guze. What is guze? That's um, that is a, a blend between different lambics of of different ages, of different years, and they put it in a bottle and they referment the beer in the bottle, and then they created guze. And then they can drink the goose also during summertime. Rodenbach, the brewery, is almost 200 yeah. years old. They were founded in 1821. No, it's older. It's older. Oh. Um, the Rodenbach family the, uh, owns the brewery, of, uh, took the brewery over in 1821. Okay. But before, there was an older brewery. <clears throat> and, and it was that in, in that brewery that they've made also then the... the the procedure of mixed fermentation. How do you think the beer of back then would compare to the beer you're brewing today? The secret of our product is the pH level on which we blend our beers. So this is universal. Mm. It must be a similar product as what we are doing today. It must have been a similar product as of what we are doing today. When Rodenbach and the, the Precursor Brewery, when they were doing the uh, cultured beers, as you were saying, uh, were there are many breweries doing those kinds of beers at that time? Yes, there were a lot of breweries who make such a style. Okay. Also in Ruslare, but um, the, the, the differentiation was coming by the First World War, because at that time all the Germans had stolen all the copper from the breweries. And mm. to avoid that, the, the Rodema family had paid a lot of money to the Germans to keep the copper inside, to keep the wood inside. And so they could go further with this, this style of beer. And and this is the main reason why we are nearly the, the last of the Mohicans who is making this style of beer. And on this on this scale, because our scale is much more bigger than uh, competitors who try to, to imitate our beers. Rodenbach, is it available all throughout the United States? Normally, yes. We have an importer, Lattice, who is doing the distribution, or the, 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 who is doing the import. And in every state, they have a distributor. So uh, normally, it, it, you must can find it back in, uh, in home markets and, uh, and in the old trade, in the pubs. So obviously, Rodenbach would be available in Belgium. Is it available throughout Europe as well? Like, how widely does Rodenbach brand reach? Our main market is, um, is Belgium, and uh, certainly at the coast side. Uh, but we sell also our beers in France, in the Netherlands, in uh, Scandinavia even in, in, in Spain. Okay. But but the American market is a very important market for us. Gotcha. Now, you, you have 200, and according to the information that we've got on your website, you have 294 uh, photos. Oak oh. yeah, that's right. Oak wooden vats, okay. How big are those? How many hectoliters are they? Oh, they have different sizes. Okay. We start the brewery. When we start the brewery, the oldest sellers, um, had fats of 120 hectoliters, 12,000 liters. So that then they build it in uh, cellar number one. Most of the most of the of the the, the, the content of the fats is around 
18,000 liters of 180 hectoliters. And then they build it in uh, cellar number two and three, beds of 320 hectoliters, 32,000 liters. And then um, they have built it um, in the years uh, 1936, 18 vats of 650 hectoliters, 65,000 liters. And uh, but the, the maturation speed then in the, in the, the big vat is too low. So they decided on to build uh, four, five new cellars in, um, between 1950 and 1960. All the vats with a dimension of 180 hectoliters. Question about the, the vats. So when they're built, uh, how do you get them ready to um, age Rodenbach? Do you have to condition them somehow? Like, Are you able to share the process to get a vat ready to go into production? When we, buy, when we build a new vat or we renew a vat, then we bring in the culture of another vat, the best blend we have. Mm. Okay. So that's, um, that's, a conti- that's a positive selection that we are doing now since more than 200 years. Do vats need to be renewed on a, a, a predictable basis, or do some of them last 100, 150 years without needing to be renewed? The maturation cycle is around two years, so we, we, we need to wait two years before we can uh, pump our beer off of the vat, and then we can start a new brew or a new uh, beer that we bring into the vat. What does the wood really do for the beer? I mean, uh, we, we only work with French oak, French oak, so continental oak. Who is um, with a high, very high density in the wood? How does that affect the? How does that? I mean, the, the wood that you pick, and of course the the uh, the little bugs that you have in there. How, how does that make uh, the beer what it is? The wood, in fact, is a, is a, is is an instrument. Is something that we use to grow our Britannomyces, um, our wild yeast, at the inner side of the of the wooden vat. So we don't have so much wood flavor in our beers. So when you do the uh, the vintage, that, that beer comes out of a single vat, right? That's right, yes. Do you do a vintage every single year? Yeah, we are busy with the vintage of this year. He is, come out, he is coming out to 2014 this year. Oh, okay. So it takes at least two years before things are mature enough. It takes two years to mature the beer on wood. That's right. Okay. You sent me um, a bottle of the vintage 2012 that we have here in front of us, and it says it came from yep. barrel number 170. Do the vintages seem to come from, I guess with two-year cadence, they don't come from the same barrel for more than, you know, for two or three years in a row. Does it seem like there's a part of the cellar that the vintages normally come from? Uh, we have several vats, and uh, we pump our basic brew of vintage uh, on the best vats we have. Are there ever any casts that, that you know are special casts that always seem to make good beer? Versus some casts that are well, sometimes maybe a little cranky. Yeah, but, but if you keep your vats in condition, then normally you have from ev- you can have from every vat a good beer. So it is not that some vats are superior comparing others. Uh, the fact is that you you need the right culture in your vats first. Secondly, you have to keep them under control. So you have to control them every day. That's what we are doing also during the weekends. Hmm. Climate, humidity, these kind of things you need to control for to make sure everything works correctly over yeah. the period. But our coopers are doing the tour every day, also in the weekend. So to avoid that there, that there can something happens uh, with the vets and the beer in the vet. Got a couple uh, questions from listeners. Are the beards 
uh, pasteurized, and, and if so, are they back sweetened? At the end of the process, when we um, make the beer ready to, to, to ship, we uh, do um, a flush pasteurizing uh, as low as possible because we don't want to share the culture we have in our vats with uh, anyone else. <laughs> that will not say that will not say that the beer is not dead because you have an evolution in the in the bottle because of the of the the reaction of the beer with the with the with the oxygen and um, and um, and the headspace of the of the bottle. So Rosenbach is never dead. It, it's always it's always an evolution. But you're very protective of your yeast. We protect our yeast uh, to keep it in the brewery. Makes sense when you make a product like Rodenbach. I'm busy with that for 200 years, and um, <laughs> if anyone else can pick that up and start also such a culture like we are doing, yeah, what I am doing, uh, <laughs> this is not honest. It's the same situation as some um, microbrewers uh, pitch their beers with the, the yeast that were used for re-fermenting the Trappist beers, but Sorry, the monks use another beer, another yeast to ferment their beers in the bottle, comparing their main fermentation. So right. they also will not share their yeast with anyone else. Oh, sure. I know. It certainly makes sense. I have a question from listener yeah. Tom. He said, years ago in Belgium, he had a bottle of a beer. I'm going to try to pronounce it here, but Vin Soral. He called it a sour barley wine from Rodenbach. Uh, he'd like to know yeah. more about how that beer was made. Yeah, Van de Cereal was um, was the one-off, uh, but we have had problems with the wine lobby here in the States and also in Belgium, and we could only bring that beer once. Uh, Van de Cereal was a, a high ABV beer, matured for two years on wood. We did it in 2004, and it had the taste of a, of a beer sherry. Speaking of other beers, uh, you one of the big things that people are excited about is uh, Alexander is coming back, which hasn't been brewed since 1999. Yep. That's right, yeah. Alexander, yeah, Alexander is, is the basic, uh, is the same basic of Grand Cru, but with, um, with cherry juice. So there's an, uh, an active maturation of cherry juice with the Grand Cru. And so it's, it's, a, it's a cherry beer, but with a higher alcohol ABV, so it's uh, 5.7. It's not uh, back sweetened as, um, as uh, the other sweet cherry beers are. Uh, there's also, uh, I probably will uh, mess up the pronunciation here, but uh, Caractère Rouge? Caractère Rouge, yes. Caractère Rouge is the vintage after two years because we, we, we selected the best fat for being the vintage of that year and the other vats we use it for making Caractère Rouge. So after two years, we bring the beer back to a stainless steel tank and there we add sour cherries, raspberries and cranberries. And we do an active maturation or fermentation during six months till all the fruit sugars are fermented. And then we filter the beer and that is Caractère Rouge. Wow, so, it takes, so it's, it's taking the beer and making it do, and go through a whole other fermentation cycle to give it the what? extra quality. Your brewery is a storied, historic brewery with lots of history. What kind of innovation uh, happens in a brewery with so much history? Um, we're always busy to try... To make our beers even better, as we have, as we did in, in, in as we did before. So um, we have built in 2001 a new brew house, and that was necessary because our old brew house 
dated from uh, 1864. We brewed 138 years in that brew house. That was a huge investment for us. Um, so that is what we are doing. Um, new investments that we foreseen is um, a new centrifuge to clarify our beer or to filter our beers. I, I imagine that you're a brewer, but you're also a fan of, of beer. I'm wondering if you could give us some of your thoughts on uh, the beer community in general, and perhaps since you're in the United States right now, in the United States as well. We try to give inspiration to the to the sour beer scene, not only in Belgium but in the world. So and um, and um, that's also one of the reasons why we try to make um, every let me say every five years um, a new brand or to renew a brand or to bring a brand back. So we have had Van de Cereal afterwards, then the. Um, then the the, um, the vintage, then the character rouge, now the the the, the Alexander, and uh, also the fruitage who is coming into the market. Excellent. Uh, one last question I have for you, and that is, if uh, any of my yeah. listeners are traveling to Rousselaire, uh what should they do? Yeah. What's the first thing they should do when they get off the airplane? Oh, uh, the best is to go to Brussels. It's one possibility, and then going by train to Brugge, and then the train to Rooselaar. So we are only 10 minutes away from the railway station by, by walking. So this is, um, we are very close to the, to the railway station. Extra convenience. Yes. I like it. And okay. then you can visit in Brugge, the Brugge Beer Museum. You can visit also a brewery in Brugge. If you go to Brussels, then you have Cantillon. If you go to Antwerp, you have also breweries over there. So go, coming by train, you can see a lot. If you rent a car, then you have uh, the, the possibility to, to visit uh, all the breweries in Belgium. Excellent. Rudy, thank you so much for your time. I know you're really busy with your trip through New York tonight, and I'm glad you... I'm, it, was I'm, a pleasure. it was a pleasure to answer your question. Well, thank you okay. so much. And uh, hopefully bye-bye. I get to see you, meet you in person one day. Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this Craft Beer Radio interview. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. You can email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com. The intro music is provided by Scott Holmes from the Free Music Archive.